1: Welcome, welcome to Fearless with Jason Whitlock. I am Jason Whitlock, your host. Uh, happy Wednesday uh, to you and yours. Happy day after Tuesday and the day before Thursday. It's hump day, we're in the middle of the week. Uh, we're headed towards the home stretch. The weekend is almost here, baby. And boy, do I got some good news for you. We got an awesome show uh, planned for you today. An awesome show, maybe our best ever. Uh, TJ Moe is here in studio with us. Uh, the Show Me Kid is back. And so is Troy McSwain, uh, my world-famous tailor, who's a member of Omega Sci-Fi, uh, and he's, he's in a strand of the Omega Sci-Fi fraternity that I'm not quite sure of, Troy, your friends that uh, somehow are critical of me. We'll get into that a little bit later in the show. Uh, Shamika Michelle is going to join us uh, from North Carolina via Skype to help us Uh, when I start this fire and we fan these flames. Uh, And then of course, it's Wednesday. Pastor Bobby, Pastor Anthony, some Tennessee Harmony. Uh, We'll talk about uh, the Buffalo Massacre with our two ministers from Renew.org. Anthony's written a column for Renew that's very interesting and we'll get into that, a deeper discussion from a biblical perspective on how we should feel about what happened in Buffalo. But uh, as I like to do, we're gonna start the show Uh, by starting a fire and giving us something provocative uh, to talk about. We're gonna talk about Sports Illustrated and uh, Dr. Jordan Peterson. So uh, Dr. Jordan Peterson misspoke when he proclaimed via Twitter that Sports Illustrated swimsuit model Yumi Nu is not beautiful. We all know beauty is in the eye of the beholder. Peterson should have said the extra plus size model is not healthy and no amount of authoritarian tolerance is going to change that. He undermined a fact with a personal opinion, and by doing so, he allowed the woke to once again dodge responsibility for their real evil agenda. On Monday, North America's most honest public intellectual, Peterson, reacted to Sports Illustrated's decision to place an obese woman with a strikingly pretty face on the cover of its formerly iconic swimsuit issue. He retweeted a New York Post story picturing the blubbery Asian beauty beneath his proclamation, sorry, not beautiful, and no amount of authoritarian tolerance is going to change that. Twitter, of course, erupted in faux outrage. A white man impolitely aired his truth about a flabby Asian fashion model. Twitter's Social Justice Army accused Peterson of unloading a toxic vat of white privilege and white supremacy. Unafraid of a brawl, Peterson engaged his critics. He doubled down on his contention that the left wants to redefine beauty standards. He he wrote a follow-up tweet saying, It's a conscious, progressive attempt to manipulate and retool the notion of beauty reliant on the idiot philosophy that such preferences are learned and properly changed by those who know better. I want to say this respectfully to Dr. Peterson. He missed the mark again. He botched this issue. Beauty is an opinion. And we all know opinions are like booty holes. Everyone has one and they all stink. The left doesn't want to retool the notion of beauty. They want to retool the notion of health. They want to reclassify obesity as healthy. Virtually everything the progressive left promotes is related to normalizing a culture of death, destruction, and despair. Abortion is about the right to kill babies in the womb. Liberalizing drug laws is about freeing people to self-medicate themselves into zombies. Defunding the police is about normalizing violent chaos within certain communities. Hostility towards religion is about removing hope, the lifeblood of civilization. Transgenderism is about the mutilation of God's creation. Jordan Peterson is known for speaking uncomfortable truth. He passed on an opportunity in this instance. The platform of the modern left is built on early 20th century Satanist Aleister Crowley's Do What Thou Wilt philosophy. Crowley argued the purpose of life is for humans to align themselves with their true will. It sounds great. Why wouldn't you want to align yourself to your true will? Well, for those of us who believe in a higher power, believe our inalienable rights come from God, believe that Jesus died on a cross for our sins, we're taught the purpose of our life is to align ourselves with God's will for us. His vision for us is spelled out in the Bible. We're taught that our nature is sinful and we should avoid a do what thou wilt mindset and set of behaviors. Specifically, among other things, we're taught that gluttony is a sin that will harm our lives and lead to death. Let me quote some scripture for you, for those of you that are believers. Philippians three nineteen: Their destiny is destruction. Their God is their stomach, and their glory is in their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things. Proverbs 23, 2 and put a knife to your throat if you're given to gluttony. Proverbs, uh, I believe 28, chapters, uh, verses 20 and 21. Uh, Do not join those who drink too much wine or gorge themselves on meat for, for drunkards and gluttons become poor and drowsiness, clothes them in rags. For those of you who are non-believers, you don't need the Bible for evidence of the dangerous impact of gluttony and obesity. Check with any doctor. Punch it into Google. Hell, you can call me. I can break it down for you. I know all about gluttony and obesity. They've been my weaknesses. The effort to normalize obesity is evil and satanic. Sports Illustrated is promoting death with its glorification of rotund runway models. Yumi New foolishly believes, her ascension to SI cover girl is a symbol of necessary progress. Uh, she said herself, quote, I feel like we're in a place right now where people are making space for more diversity on magazine covers. It's a big time for Asian-American people in media. I know. I play a big role in representation in body diversity and race diversity. And I love to be a role model and representative of plus size Asian community. I love to be a role model for the plus size Asian community. Really, really. Nu is a disciple in the D.I.E. religion of diversity, inclusion, and equality. The D.I.E. religion is just Alistair Crawley's Satanism rebranded in a way that makes it palatable for the masses. It's do what thou wilt. It's the seeking of your true will. Yumi Nu is a 250 pound glamour girl. She has aligned herself with her her corpulent true will. She's no different from Leah Thomas, the young man who decided his true will was to be a swimmer on the University of Pennsylvania's women's team. New is no different from Pete Buttigieg, the US Secretary of Transportation, who hopped in a hospital bed to pretend he delivered a baby. Yumi Nu feels like she's the Asian Christy Brinkley, Heidi Klum, or Tyra Banks. The reality is, new is more Lizzo or Jason Whitlock, a pretty face seated atop a grossly unhealthy body. The people lying to and about Numi you want her and others to die an early death smothered in gravy, fried chicken, and Kool-Aid. Death is the point of the D.I.E. religion, its adherence, want to kill America and Western civilization by killing Judeo-Christian culture. What made America great was when we collectively sought to align ourselves with God's will for us. That's what compelled us to end slavery and Jim Crow. Men and women who wanted to be on the right side of God fought for freedom and equality of opportunity. Men and women who want to be on the right side of a history leftist plan to write will end up standing alongside Aleister Crowley and blubbery beauties. Mm. That's my fire. And I know how can JC Whitlock talk smack on a fat supermodel? He's fat. I'm the perfect person to talk smack on a fat supermodel because I am fat. And I know the ramifications of obesity and being fat. And it's stupid for us to be sitting around trying to normalize this and thinking, oh, my God, let's all pretend that uh, Yumi New is as beautiful as Tyra Banks and Christy Brinkley and Heidi Klum and the other models that have graced the cover of Sports Illustrated. We've been doing the same thing with uh, Lizzo. Again, these leftists love to find some overweight person of color, or what do they call them, BIPOCs? They love to find some overweight person of color who's killing themselves and placing them on a pedestal. Oh, these fat people, these fat people of color, let's celebrate them, let's normalize them, let's tell the world they're perfectly healthy, and then applaud and, and behind their backs snicker and celebrate when they die. There's, it, it's the exact same mentality that the left has as it relates to if you're a rapper and you rap about killing black people, if you rap about dealing drugs, if you rap about pimping women, if you call women bitches and hoes, you will be celebrated by the left, you will be placed on a pedestal because you are promoting death. There's nothing more they want BIPOC and particularly the black part of that BIPOC than to, do, to, to embrace a culture of death. Smoke this weed, sell this dope, overeat load yourself up with gold chains and tattoos get fat and happy and go die somewhere and if we can't kill you early in life we got a planned parenthood right around the corner that will come snatch you out of the womb and crush you and we'll call it pro-choice it's all part of a death culture directed at people who look like me and Yumi knew although she's Asian she looked like me on the cover of Sports Illustrated Lizzo she looks like me and they're happy about it because they want all of us looking like that closer to death I I, I, (laughs) I, I crack. We got to be the dumbest group of people on the planet to be falling for this bogus B.S., this racist, satanic B.S. You know how stupid we have to be? You know why I spend all of my time and energy now trying to lose weight and I don't want people. Oh, that's healthy. Oh, that's good. Oh, boy. You look. Good. Don't lie to me. The people that lie to me and tell me that garbage, they don't care about me. They don't want me healthy and vibrant and, and successful. I, I'm shocked that Jordan Peterson missed the mark on this. Cause I'm just, this has nothing to do with changing beauty standards because Trust me, there are people who legitimately believe Yumi Nu is beautiful. I'm, I'm part of that group. She does look halfway decent to me. She's attractive. But she ain't healthy. And <laughs> we don't need to be pretending like she is. Uh, TJ Mo and uh, Troy McSwain are both here uh, in studio with me. Troy, what, you, you got a look on your face like, <laughs> you scared?
2: I can,
3: no, I'm not scared. <laughs> uh, jump ball, who wants to go first? Anybody got anything to add here? Big thing that you said in your monologue here that caught my attention as I was doing my research prior to the show here. One thing she said was, I know I play a big role in the representation of body diversity and race diversity and I love to be a role model and representative of the plus size Asian community. That's you know, a small group of people, but 3.6%. Yeah. There's a you're representing no one. Why? Because Japan actually cares about their health. We are sitting in a place in America where so so the international standard for obesity is BMI over 30. 32% of Americans are over that. 3.6% of Asians. And so this girl is taking pride in representing absolutely no one, and she can't do it in Japan because they want nothing to do with it, so she's doing it here. I mean, how corrupt and stupid are our people that we're just taking whatever fat slob we can, and it doesn't matter. Oh, good, she's Asian. Good, she's a fat Asian. Let's put her on the cover. This is progress, and so, I assume she's born here. I don't, I don't know her. She obviously takes pride in her, her Asian heritage or she wouldn't be talking about it. I'm just telling you, they're rejecting it there for a reason. Uh, Troy,
2: uh, I kind of disagree a little bit. I mean, I'm. it's going to sound very hypocritical because my health was an issue when I was overweight. I've lost 50 pounds. And so I'm better and healthier now. But I think you can't hide genetics. I don't think that People can, or just, you know, they can't. If that's what they're they're supposed to be big, they're going to be big. And being a model, you guys are bashing because she's confident. And to be a model, to bury yourself in a bikini on Sports Illustrated, you have to be a competent person. So you had to come off. You could with be competent. incompetent too. I mean, because <laughs> literally,
1: no, no, I know, I got what you said, but you right. could be incom- incompetent. That would I wouldn't pose for Playboy, Play Girl magazine. I wouldn't do it. And it's because I'm competent. It's like, oh, I'm not qualified for that. That's not my job. That's not my role in society. Maybe I drop another 70 pounds. Maybe I would be cut out for that role. But it's like, Troy, I wouldn't put on your pants. They're not built for me. And so we have this mentality now that everything is for everybody. And I keep complaining about that. Everything's not for everybody. and and. So, I love this whole deal about, well, people's genetics, and I'm just big-boned, but that ain't never been my issue, and I have not met that person (laughs) that that was their issue. I'm just big-boned in my genetics. That's why I'm fat. I haven't met that person, because when I tend to meet that person that claims that, it's usually in a fast-food drive-through or at an all-you-can-eat buffet or at a Thanksgiving dinner where they've overstuffed their plate. Do you really believe that there's some kind of genetic deal where, would you just say 32% of of American people are are classified as obese, or their BMI is over 30 or whatever? Mm-hmm. You think that 30%? What what percentage of that 30% do you think is because of genetics, and what percent of it do you think is
2: because of Kentucky Fried Chicken? Yeah, but it doesn't have to be Kentucky. I know. You used to, I, I used to watch you eat salads every day. And you with how much loved, dressing? And you never how yeah, much dressing? With four packages of dressing, <laughs> but you still made an attempt at it. So it's like I don't think I think because of of you you are a college football player, and you had to be heavy so guys couldn't move your alignment, so guys couldn't move you around. So you had a reason for it. So sometimes there's a reason that doesn't mean you are unhealthy. You're probably in the best physical condition of your life when you. Troy talk to my coaches.
3: They always wanted me. 10 to 15 to 20 pounds lighter but still but that and, still was heavy and that's still not healthy and that's the that's the thing go look at the the very best offensive line have you ever um, uh, I'm blanking on his name left tackle for Anthony
1: them. Munoz
3: he's a Is good the, one I was gonna say left tackle for the Browns Hall of Famer for Joe. Joe uh, Thomas Joe Thomas have you seen Joe Thomas five minutes after he retired he looks like a freaking lumberjack, right? And those guys, they never looked fat. They have a little bit of extra weight because they need something to push guys, but underneath, they are stacked. And that's what health is, right? And so, the, you know, we're, we're talking about her here. Big boned has nothing to do with the multiple rolls coming outside of her swimsuit, right? And I, that's meat falling off the bone. Might taste good, but it ain't healthy. Yeah. Here's the other thing I'll tell you. You can be confident, the argument with Jordan B. Peterson was beauty, right, and, and you mentioned that she has a beautiful face. Yeah. Then why put her in a bikini, right? Accentuate her face. If you're saying, hey, this is a beautiful person who should be confident in who she is, great, but don't throw in her a bikini and put her on the cover of Sports Illustrated then, on the swimsuit edition. Accentuate where the beauty is. One of the things that he talked about that nobody's discussing is Jordan B. Peterson later in his threads cited a couple studies, one of which is that children, actually, um, so we have this, you know, there's polling and such of what, what adults would think beauty is, right? And they'd say, that generally, this is what we would think it is. And then they took children, who obviously would not have been able to go through a lot of the normalization that we went through. And children spent more time looking at what adults would perceive to be beautiful faces than they did ugly people. So even kids know it. It's innate. There's, there is an objective idea of what beauty is, right? And so... What I'm telling you is maybe she does have that face and maybe she belongs as a model somewhere, but it ain't in a bikini on the cover of Sports Illustrated. Yeah, but can I make a point about this, though, that
2: she's letting people what she to me, what she's saying is love yourself. Be happy with your, your skin, with who you are inside your skin. So just because she's in a bikini doesn't mean she's not trying to make a point about mental healthiness. You know, being, showing her body shows that she, she loves herself. And, it, and it spiritually, she might be overweight, but she still is a beautiful person. And she looks at herself as being beautiful. So mentally, that, that to me is her overcoming all the negative and all the bullying and things that people go through in life. Troy,
1: the greatest thing I can do to demonstrate my love for myself is put a fork down. That, that's like if I really want to make love to myself put a fork down, push away from the table, stay out of drive-throughs, cut some weight if she really loved herself. And again, there's a little, you can talk yourself, oh, I love myself and I love myself. That's all a bunch of BS. That woman would love nothing more than
2: to drop 50. But, but people need to, need to like love themselves in order to, to even get to that point. To, to even lose weight, you have to be happy with what, what I think they're saying, Sports Illustrated is saying, even though you're overweight, love yourself. You know, love who you are, mm. however big you are, however small you are. It's still got to be, you know, you have to look at it from, a, from, from that standpoint, I don't in think my opinion.
3: I don't think that's what they're saying. I think they're saying, this is great. And that is a huge difference. If they were actually saying that we can all agree that it would be great if she lost 50 pounds, but she has a very pretty face. And she's a confident person, and she's a model. I still wouldn't put her in a bikini. But this would be a bit of a different discussion. What they're saying is, is fat's beautiful too. Fat is actually really good. Why aren't more people fat? Well, it turns out the United States is 32% obese. Let me give you some of the effects of obesity here and why none of it should be glorified. According to the National Institute of Health, obesity is the second leading cause of preventable death in the United States behind only tobacco. 300,000 people per year die because of the obesity epidemic. You are six times more likely Great. to get type two diabetes. According to Oxford University, it reduces your life expectancy if you have a severe obesity by 10 years. CDC says medical costs for people who are obese are $1,500 more per year. You have a higher risk of heart disease, stroke, high cholesterol, high blood pressure, depression, and cancer. So we're killing these people and we're saying, hey, go be that. And you got a bunch of 12 year old girls that are looking at the, that are slightly overweight, could go either way, and they're looking at the Sports Illustrated Swimsuit Edition and saying, oh, I'm good. That's beautiful too. Yeah, you make a strong point there.
2: But I still say it's still, it's still positive. I'm looking at it from a positive aspect. She's, she's going out there and bearing it all for for so that other people don't feel ashamed. She's giving people mental- Troy, what's the matter with shame? It's honest
1: to goodness. What's, I looked at some pictures of myself this morning that I was like, I'm ashamed of this. I'm a Justin, Call up that picture you sent me of uh, me in a t-shirt. Can we get that on screen? I looked at that picture and I laughed at myself. I was like, oh my God. Like, look at that picture. I look, look at that picture. And you, and you, and you, you
2: don't want me to feel but, shame over that? No, I really don't want you to feel ashamed. I want Why not? You, I want you to feel like, like you loved yourself even though you were fat. I did, Troy. But exactly, <laughs> there's nothing wrong
4: with
1: that. <laughs> <laughs> you just want me dead, Troy. Why don't no. you come out and say it? we don't want you dead? We got two burial plots that we've already picked out. You're gonna need a both. a double wide casket. <laughs> 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 I want to. I want to ask a more serious question as it relates to this. I've said and argued in my mono that just everything the left, and Troy, I know you're not super duper into politics, and, but, but everything on the left, everything they seem to support, seems to all be going the same direction towards death. Am, am I exaggerating that? When I think of all the things that seem critical to their platform, abortion, uh, liberalizing drug laws, defund the police. Everything seems
3: to be like, how can we create more chaos and more destruction and despair? That is the result of being anti-Christian, right? You go read the Bible and everything the Bible stands for, it is life-giving. You go read Proverbs, that's the wisdom, how to conduct yourself, how to be healthier, how to appropriately treat other people. And we, the the left specifically, I mean, go look at the, the polling on this. They will tell you they are moving away from Christianity. The whole country is, even people on the right, but the left certainly is. And the left has created their own religion of themselves. And so in order to have some meaning of something, then you just go against whatever was before and you try to win that battle. Well, it turns out when you take on Christianity, you are anti-life, you are anti-health, you are the opposite of every good thing that Christianity has led us to. Troy, let me translate
1: what he just said to, <laughs> as it relates to, see what he, Christianity is about loving God and a gratitude and respect and trying to align yourself with God's vision. Aleister Crowley and the left, they want you to to love yourself and you be your own God and you seek out your true will. You're the smartest person on the planet. You know what's best for you. These little biblical principles and things and that's all a bunch of malarkey you know better than what's actually in the Bible, and that we just keep getting proof after proof after proof that that's just wrong. That virtually, not virtually, but everything in the Bible, and particularly as it relates to this issue, the Bible, I've read it, because as I've been on a journey to conquer my gluttony demon, I've read a lot of scripture. There's more scripture about gluttony and the sins of gluttony than a lot of other sins that get a lot of more conversation in America. It's like we ignore the sin of gluttony. But but that's where I, I'm and I'm not trying to put you on the spot. But I, I'm this whole love yourself thing that everybody seems to be wrapped up in. You might be better off loving God and letting God love you back and his wisdom feeds you. And you, the, the, the level of happiness that will result from that, the level of success that will result from that, will blow your mind. And then you will end up like, hey, I do kind of like myself. Mm.
2: But you can love yourself and still be fat. You know, you can
3: still. But you would be recognize totally that perfect. as a problem. And that's a, that's a big delineation here. Because God would tell you, you shouldn't be fat, that's, your body's a temple that, where the Holy Spirit resides. Take care of it. That's what the Bible says about it. So if you are not taking care of it, there's a problem. If you were doing what Jason's just talking about, you'd recognize that's a problem. I love that I'm a child of God. That's clearly an issue, not something he approves of, and I need to fix that. Right, but I physically, like, I hate working out. <laughs> Don't, I, been, I got a
2: 24-hour gym membership I've had for 30 years. Been in the gym two times. <laughs> Let me <laughs> I, tell you what the most
1: important lift is. You, 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 you can work out a great workout without ever going to the gym because there's the most important lift in all of exercise is the forklift. <laughs> Literally, it's the forklift. This lift right here will determine everything. If there's no weight on the fork, trust me, or there's very little weight on the fork. And
3: so you ain't, that 24 that hour fitness can really be reduced to the fourth. One other thing you said too, you said he tried before with those salads. I don't think so because he's trying now and it's working. So no matter how many salads he it's way harder to lose weight at age 55 than it was was at 35 when he was trying. And now he's seeing it. So it's your level of how much do you want to try? How committed to it are you? This isn't genetic. Maybe there's some components, but if there is, he's overcoming it.
2: But no, there's people
3: that-
1: Ronald McDonald is not my daddy. Now, <laughs> if, if Ronald McDonald was my daddy, I would say it's genetic, but he's not my daddy. Mm-hmm. Jimmy
2: Whitlock is, and he was smaller than you. Taller, but smaller than you. Right. But people, now, let's talk about not just genetics. There's people that have gland pro- I'm not making excuses for people. but there's people that have reasons why. The, women take steroids as a, for a medical condition, and that put, makes them overweight. Mm. So do they not take the steroid? That say, that's helping save them lives yeah. and make them gain, and, and, make it, and di- cause it, there's a cause and effect there that Let has me to you, happen. This is you. what all the left
1: arguments always come down to, the, the, the aberrations and about, hey, we're against abortion, but what about in rape and incest? Well, that's a little tiny, tiny percent of oh, okay. what causes someone to get pregnant, rape or incest. It's a tiny, tiny, most, the overwhelming majority of sex is consensual. You know that, and I know that. Let's don't lie to each other, Troy. Uh, so, it, it just... The sex that leads to pregnancy is overwhelmingly
2: consensual. I wasn't talking about sex.
1: I
4: get it, <laughs> no, but... but, but it, point, it's the outlier, yeah.
1: My point is, you're talking about an outlier,
2: that somebody has problems with a gland or... No, I, I, I know somebody personally that takes steroids and has gained weight as a result of the steroids. But the steroids are what are helping her be physically be a healthier person. Mm. So what do you
3: And I know what you're saying. You're saying that's a small percent. Okay, well, I'm just talking about the small percent then. Here's where I think your argument makes some sense, and that is that we have gone. You found it. I was looking for it. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait to hear this. It is that we should probably I wasn't alive during this time because I've only been alive where we're celebrating all stupidity. But there was probably a time where we just crushed these people, annihilated them and led them to the point where they could. They weren't, there was no encouragement. There was no incentive for them to go work out. You've just demolished everyone because they're fat, cast them out of society and they're no good to us. That obviously is not what we're talking about. We're talking about encouraging people to have healthier lifestyles. And so, over-empathetically, I would say you're saying, well, they're okay. I would tell you they're not okay, but someone should tell them that they're not okay in an encouraging manner and that this is not healthy. You should be moving forward into a direction that is much healthier. And if you need some help, come talk to me. But I'm certainly not going to celebrate your obesity. Right. I lost 50 pounds.
2: I'm still just as unhealthy as I was when I was 50 pounds heavy. Not according to the stats. I'm still diabetic. I still have high blood pressure. I still have high cholesterol. And I'm trying to improve myself,
3: but I just can't do it. Well, your life expectancy, I mean, I just read you a bunch of stuff. Your life expectancy is three to ten years longer now that you've done that. Your chances of getting cancer are substantially lower. You, you do have a chance of actually, depending on what kind of diabetes you have, kicking your di- diabetes, depending on your diet. There's a lot of things that now you are giving yourself a chance to do that you didn't have 60 pounds ago.
1: You know that chocolate cake you ate last night at <laughs> Stony River? Yeah. 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 <laughs> Them french fries and, yeah, mm, yeah.
2: Them biscuits. Yeah, yeah. you remember I, all that? I, I, I tasted it all. I was, <laughs> I was just, I was just being a foodie. I was just enjoying the, you know, it was that, taste that, that it coffee for cured filet mignon. You know, yeah. You-
1: <laughs> mm. <laughs> it's injected with brown sugar.
2: <laughs> hey, Jason, you was right there eating with me. <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: I was at the other end of the table. You don't know what I did. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, Shamika Michelle is going to come in. We're going to get a woman's perspective on this. I'm sure Shamika is going to put you in check, uh, Troy. But uh, before we get to Shamika, I want to tell you guys about Good Ranchers. Summer is right around the corner. Do you know what you need? Burgers. And I don't just mean any burgers. I'm talking about American Wagyu burgers made from some of the best beef you've ever tasted in your life. Our friends over at Good Ranchers are here to help provide the great food, that is needed to have a great summer and a great time. Good Ranchers American Wagyu is raised right here in the United States and produces the rich, buttery texture that people who know their steaks crave. These burgers are individually wrapped so you can easily put them out and cook them on the grill or in the skillet and they're good for other meals too. With meat prices soaring, I love that when you subscribe, you lock in your price and get $25 off every box for life, for the rest of your subscription. For life, you lock in your price. As long as you're a subscriber, your price will not change. Two pounds of free Wagyu burgers and zero inflation. What are you waiting for? Go get both by using my code FEARLESS or by visiting goodranchers.com slash fearless. If you don't buy the meat in your house, Then tell the person who does to grab your two free pounds of American Wagyu burgers today before they're gone. Good Ranchers, American meat delivered. You guys know good ranchers. Be a good soldier. You got to feed your troops. Feed them good ranchers because they support you and what we believe in and this show. All right, Shamika Michelle, X. All right, well, Matt, uh, I can't wait for this. Uh, Troy and TJ are still here with me, uh, but the show is about to get a lot better and a lot better looking. Uh, we're going to go out to North Carolina and bring in uh, Shamika Michelle uh, on, our, on our conversation about uh, Yumi Nu and the, the blubbery beauty on the cover of uh, Sports Illustrated. And look, I, Shamika, I don't know if you saw this, but I'm I'm not sparing myself from this. Did you see the Sports Illustrated cover that uh, that I was on with Lizzo and and Yumi knew? Uh I don't I don't know if you saw that, but uh, I think that says life, uh, levity, and the pursuit of blubber uh, across the top of that. Uh, and and I I bring that up to 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 say. I'm not trying to distance myself from this issue, uh, but I, I'm, I'm bringing you on because I want you to trash uh, Troy McSwain, to be quite honest <laughs> with you. Uh, someone has to clean up the mess Troy made in the last segment, and, and you're woman enough to do it. Uh, pl- pl- uh, w- please uh, sick this, this idiot over here that... Uh, I'm turning it over to you, Shamika. What'd you think about our first segment?
0: Well, there's so much, Jason, that I have to say about this. Uh, First, I would like to say that I agree with uh, you and Jordan Peterson, actually, because philosophers have debated for a long time whether beauty is objective or subjective. And I will say that it started with Plato and the woman that actually coined the term beauty is in the eye of the beholder. Her name was Margaret Wolfe. Hungerford. And if you look at her, you will understand why she sided on the side of it being subjective. Now, when it comes to the Bible, I think that there are tons of scripture that talks about a woman being beautiful. If you look at Song of Solomon, he talks about a woman being beautiful in her physical attributes from her hair, her eyes to her breast. When we talk about Esther, if you look in Esther's second chapter, when they were uh, told to go and find fair handmaidens, and fair in that time meant beautiful and attractive, They had a standard. So I do believe that there's a standard of beauty, and we just don't like to say it because a lot of us feel like maybe we wouldn't meet that or we're living in strong delusion, like I believe Troy is when he talks about, oh, she's just being confident. I don't think she's being confident. I think she is being delusional because there is a universal standard of beauty, and that is what they use to fix people people when they have abnormalities. They use this standard of beauty. We see women going in to, to have gastric bypass, lap band surgery. They go in to get their breasts pushed up, their butts bigger, take out my lower ribs so that my waist can be smaller. We have a standard of beauty. I've never once heard somebody go in and tell the surgeon, I make me look like my last name is clump so we can lie all we want to and act as if oh i i don't know what beautiful is beautiful has always been something that is objective and there's a standard from biblical times to now and we see it each and every day
2: Mm, i got
1: Shamika gave me more than what I was anticipating because she slapped me and you, Troy. <laughs> she, wow, she blew up my I didn't know the history of beauty in the eye to behold. beholder. That. That's good stuff. Uh, Troy the stage is big
2: The woman was for beauty how big she was. Was well, she a basically, big woman?
1: she's insinuating that that she was was ugly and that's why why she came up with with that <laughs> slogan I still. still. Tend to believe beauty is in the eye of the beholder, based off of uh, a lot of the dating choice. Hell, most of the women that have dated me, I think it applies to them. Uh, <laughs> you know, I was, again, I was saying they 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 saw something in me that you know maybe I didn't see in myself. Uh, but I, I what Shamika just said there is is definitely true because I was sitting there thinking like, well, hold on, the whole. Uh, breast augmentation industry is built around a standard of what looks good in a breast. And I've participated in that industry. I have financed a... a (laughs) (laughs) So, I I think there's some truth in that. Uh, Troy, do you have any kind of like legitimate rebuttal to anything Shamika said? Or you just got put in your
2: place? Personally, I think a, a woman that I like a woman that's naturally beautiful, that doesn't have augmentation. So I, I love to see the stats. Maybe you can find the stats on how many, what demographic was she? To what percentage is she talking about people who, who actually do augmentation or have plastic surgery? I'm sure that's a small majority of the world. Let me tell you what that they all do. do
1: Let me tell you what they all do: put makeup on, and that's to meet some standard. Correct? Would you not
2: agree? No, uh, I don't think. Made- all, no, he, I think you're wrong when you say all. All women don't put makeup on. <clears throat> no. Again. My wife does not wear a lot of makeup. There you go, a beautiful. lot. But she wears makeup, Troy. Well, occasionally. Does she, she wear still, a wig? She still does. No, she, wear, she never wore a wig. A weave? No, she's never had she a She ain't weave. never. never
1: Stop it, Troy.
2: Weave, she ain't never put no fake hair in her hair. No.
1: Shamika, do, do you believe that? And I know uh, Troy's wife, but uh,
2: go ahead. You know I wouldn't come in here and say a, that I'm, if I'm, it was true.
0: Uh, You know, well, he says she doesn't wear a lot of makeup, so he's not saying that she never wears makeup. And I would say that when she does wear makeup, it is to look a certain way. It is to enhance, even if it's to enhance her natural beauty. I think I have pretty eyes. I put on eyeliner to enhance the natural beauty of my eyes. So there are women who don't wear a lot of makeup. They don't put on makeup every day and put on foundation. I never wear foundation when I come up here unless I've been to the studio prior to coming you know, to this show. So I do think there are women that don't have to go all out, but women that do, in my opinion, feel like there's a standard of beauty that they are not meeting. That is why you see them try to narrow their nose. They try to put on contour to, to make their jaw look a certain way, to make their eyebrows look a certain way. So we can pretend as if there is no standard of beauty, But there is, and this is why we have the industry that we do where people go out and buy hair. They go out and buy makeup. They go out and buy things that make them look a certain way because they want to appeal, even if it's to make themselves look better, they have a certain standard of beauty.
3: I think we're trying to separate two things that actually go together to some degree, and there's probably some history, I don't know what it is, but just like there's a reason that we left women home for battle, right, and men went to battle because you had to repopulate the tribe and you had to have women there like we talked about several months ago. I think the reason you wanted thin women and thin men is because it was healthier and probably through hundreds of years you observed that those people live longer, were healthier, were able to get around and, and help around the house and take care of your kids, and those people were more attractive. So more people wanted to be around them. That became the objective idea of beauty through whatever evolutionary over the hundreds of years that we watch things happen. Oh, that fat slob dies early. Okay, we probably don't want to be around that. So that person won't be that attractive to that many people. That's how you objectify beauty.
0: Uh, I'm I'm totally
3: going left with this because,
2: to me, I think that women and people do things because of their insecurities, causes them to contour their nose or wear makeup. I think it's their own insecurity. So I think that if people weren't so insecure, I'm I'm on the, just be yourself. I'm like, just be your damn self. You don't have to impress anybody, just be yourself, be natural. And if your natural natural is big, it's big. If your natural is skinny, it's skinny, whatever it is. But I understand you guys are saying this from a healthy standpoint, that's great. But (laughs) I think people should just be themselves.
0: You have earrings in your is. ear right now. Were you born that way, or did you put earrings in because you felt like it was to adorn yourself and to, to, to look a certain way?
2: Well, Tamita, do you wear earrings?
0: I That's do. A, why I are do. you <laughs> avoiding the question with a question? Right. Why
1: are you, she asked you a question.
2: <clears throat> why you put them earrings in? Why not just be yourself? I chose to wear earrings because I think it looks good. It's a fashion statement
0: because you thought so it there's some, good.
2: I got clothes on, I got a jacket on, I got a suit coat on. It's a fashion day, I chose to do this. It's my choice. It's not because I'm insecure. I don't wear earrings because I'm insecure or I'm trying to... Then why is it you projecting that everybody else is insecure for the stuff that they do? No, I'm saying that that's what I believe is that I think that people are insecure. That's why they do things. And that's why, that's why society has, has made us look at things and say, and, and
3: make money, monetize people's insecurities. So to be clear, you wear earrings and your stuff, not because you're insecure, but everybody else does things that they do because they are secure. <laughs> no. <laughs> He's making a hell of a point, Troy.
1: In ter- the, the rings you have on your finger, the watch you have on your, on your wrist, the, e- the earrings, that has nothing to do with insecurity. You're not trying to adorn yourself, dress yourself up, and be more than what perhaps you really
3: are. Okay, yeah, you're right. I agree with you there very well. well. the idea is you want to present (laughs) yourself in a way that you would put your best foot forward. That is the idea of beauty. Everybody would want to look better to put your best foot forward to be the best version of yourself. So isn't the argument that you would lose weight to be the best version of yourself, to put that forward, so that you could be the happiest with yourself, instead of saying, I'm a fat slob, but that's the best but I got. But
2: I don't think, so you're saying that that's the best version of you. That's not the, my, when I was fat, I was still the best version of me. When no, I was you 80. weren't. No, to me, I was. <laughs> no, you to weren't. Me I was. That's
1: the lie you're telling yourself or you wouldn't have lost the weight. And when your daddy asked what happened to your <laughs> knuckles,
2: you wouldn't have been embarrassed, because that's what happened. All right. The, the, Am I lying? Oh, yeah. No. When he looked at my father, looked at me and said, where are your knuckles at, son? I was like, <laughs> I looked at my hands. I was like, damn, I don't even see my knuckles. It's just a big, smooth surface. I was like, okay. I guess I got to lose some weight now. You know? And, but it took him saying that to me. But I still was, but I still was happy with myself. But it wasn't the best version of you. If you thought it was, then you wouldn't have lost the weight. I don't think it was the worst version of me, though, either. Then why'd you lose the weight? Because my, cause the, Make my dad proud of me, you know, to make him happy. You know, there's reasons for doing everything, you know, but I, I think I'm a better person. I actually move a lot differently. Uh, so, your dad didn't think it was the best version of you? No, he didn't. I'm sure he didn't. Hmm. <laughs> he just, my father just being funny, you know, like that. He looked at my hand and said, like, where are your knuckles at, boy? You know, and, you know like, damn, dad, tell me how you really feel about my family. <laughs> Shameka,
1: I'm going to give you the final word on this. Uh, Good and you you don't have go any direction you want if you have a final thought
0: okay I want to say a couple things I want to let remind people that excess weight is not a result of excess um It's it's not a result of excess bone. It's a result of excess fat or excess muscle. There's no such thing as being big boned. Now, we do have different structural body types. We have ectomorphs, which I think I am. We have endomorphs. We have, I think, mesomorphs. So people can look into that. But I want us to stop acting as if, oh, it's my bones. No, it's not. It's your fat. You're, you're too fat, you're overweight, and we lose that because it's not healthy. Um, I also wanted to, to make sure that we are separating. When we say beauty, we're separating the physical from what's on the inside. And I think a lot of people, they, they often reject physical beauty because they think it's a reflection of who they are as a person or their character or who they are in the inside that is not what we're saying you can still love yourself your character you're a nice person you treat people right you're kind you're loving you can love that person about about you and also recognize when you're fat and out of shape and unhealthy. I don't think the two are married and I don't think one means that you're a bad person. And I think that's what we do a lot of times. So we try to say, oh, I love myself. Well, that's fine. You may be a great person, but if you're fat and overweight, you're fat and overweight and you need to do something about it. And that's just the way it is.
4: Troy,
1: <laughs> I'm joking. Thank you, Jameika. Awesome Thank job. You. Uh, let, me take, let me take care of some business before we get to our approval rating. Uh, Bullion Max, as inflation surpasses highs not seen in 40 years, the value of the dollar is decreasing with every passing day. You're paying more at the pump, the grocery store, for cars, for housing. Face it, your paper money is worthless and here's why I love Bullion Max. They're owned by veterans in the precious metal space. Offer some of the lowest prices on the internet and they make it so easy to buy directly from their website. I wanna help you get started, so I worked out a special offer with them just for you. Get Bullion Max's Silver Starter Kit at employee pricing. Just go to bullionmax.com Jason. This kit includes five of the most desirable silver products to invest in, including a silver American Eagle and a silver Australian Kangaroo. This offer is limited to just one per household. So get yours now. Go to bullionmax.com slash Jason Whitlock. Join me in being an investor in precious metals through bullion. Max, I got my own gold piece uh, in the mail a couple of weeks ago. I'm going to invest in this silver. These precious metals is where we need to go and where we need to be. Those of us that value self-sufficiency, self-dependency, and don't wanna be caught out here in these crazy economic times where they're just printing money, printing money, printing money, and devaluing our money. We don't know what's gonna go on with the stock market. We don't. Right now, we don't know what's going on with crypto. Gold and silver, it's, it stood the test of time. Invest with bullionmax.com slash Jason Whitlock. All right. Uh, thank you, bullion, Max. I
2: All mean, right. Uh, I didn't I c- even hear what she said about my earrings. I
1: can't, <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait. <laughs> I cannot wait, Troy, to hear your approval rating on Yumi New, uh, the overweight, the rotund runway model, the blubbery beauty, uh, the, what did I call it, the flabby, uh, fashionista, I think or that's my shot at alliteration. Uh, job performance, we'll start there. She's a supermodel, a super size supermodel. Uh, I'm going to give her an eight. I think uh, she got the cover of Sports Illustrated off of charity,
2: not off of hard work. I'll give her an eight in job performance. Gentlemen? I gave her 23 because I know what it takes to be a model. I was a professional model for years, and I know she, you know, there were times I had to be in uncomfortable positions, being, you know, I've seen models, in swimsuit models in the snow, taking, you know, can you imagine taking off, you know, your clothes, being in a bikini, and standing in the snow in 20-degree weather in a bikini? So models work hard. It's not an easy job taking pictures. You have to pose. You have to look comfortable. Not anybody can stand in front of a camera and pose for a picture. It takes a certain a certain type of person, a certain type of training, a certain type of confidence, a certain way that you carry yourself. So I gave her a 23. I think she's awesome.
3: I gave her a 20, but in, I am unwilling to give a, her a shred of credit that you did. She had three jobs. She needed to stand there, check. Be fat, check. And don't be white, check. She <laughs> nailed all three, so she gets a 20. Wow.
1: Uh, uh- Character, I don't know much about her. I don't think she's had any off the field or off the buffet incidents. Uh, <laughs> no one caught that joke. Anyway, uh, so I, I can't be too hard on her character-wise. I, You know, she's, they never caught her stealing from Old Country Buffet, as far as I know. Uh, so I'm gonna give her a 15 in character, kind of right down the middle,
2: uh, you know, because I just don't know much about her. Uh, Troy? I gave her a twenty because I felt like felt like if she was on the cover of Sports Illustrated, they did the due diligence to make sure she
3: was a, right, a good person. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I'm put. I don't know much about her, so I'm gonna push yeah. that off on Sports Illustrated. Gotcha. Okay, so. Uh, I gave her six, not big on her character, here's why. There's a quote in a story that uh, John Hadley sent me. She said, Asian culture's been slower to champion body diversity or inclusion, and for me, one of the biggest missions as a model was to start to change that. This cover marks a huge step in the right direction. So not only did she decide she should be a fat slob, she would like to take Japan down with her. (laughs) Authenticity,
1: I'm kind of low here on authenticity because I think she's lying to herself and lying to people. I've been fat, I am fat. To run around and pretend like you're happy about it is a joke and inauthentic to me. So I gave her a 12 in authenticity.
2: I think she's as authentic as you could be, to get up there with her fat. Ass and <laughs> look good and stand there. I, I mean, I, I'm, I, you know, I'm, I'm rallying for her. I'm like, Troy, you would you go, like her girl. phone
1: number? No, <laughs> no,
2: but I'm like, you go, girl. You know, with your, you know, showing your being proud. I mean, I, I like that
3: mm. about it. All right, Troy gives her a 20. Uh... I gave her 14 for authenticity because I think she thinks she's being authentic, but she's lying to herself because everybody. As, as you're seeing right now, Jason, at age 55, you're like, whatever I was doing before, there's something in the back of my mind that says this isn't right. And that moment will hit her, and she will realize that all this time she wasn't being nearly as authentic as she thought she was.
1: Uh, it factor, this will be, I went as close to down the middle as I could. I couldn't give her a 12 and a half, so I gave her a 13. I rounded up right in the middle of our 0 to 25 scale. Uh, because I, 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 I do find her, relatively attractive. Uh, I think she's got a very pretty face. She puts on some clothes and, you know, I don't think she'd have a problem getting the attention or something. Now, I did, I did not know she was five foot 11, so she kind of looks maybe like a, a center or an offensive guard, <laughs> uh, perhaps, but just based on the pictures I've seen, I'll give her a 13 in
2: it factor. Uh, it factor, she's, I mean, it factor, confident, Carries herself well, photographs well. I mean, I think she was a 20. I gave her a 20 because I think. So, she...
1: if if you were in a room with Yumi New, a plate of biscuits and gravy, what has a better chance of leaving the room, <laughs> <laughs> getting out of that room
2: alive? But <laughs> biscuits or <are> you?
3: <laughs>
2: I, I don't understand your question, Jason. <laughs>
1: I'm saying you'd make her a human egg
3: muffin is <laughs> oh, <I, no>, TJ. <laughs> I gave her a zero because first of all, as I said, do you know how difficult it is to be five foot eleven in this slobby? She is five foot eleven, every bit of 250 pounds at least, and she's Japanese, to which nobody with that heritage is fat. So she has climbed mountains to become as obese as she is. She's going to catch some heat, boy. But wait, most Japanese people are
2: not 5'11". So I know. That's, she's, a, she's out of the norm anyway.
3: Yeah, she's way and, out and, of the
2: norm. But you, keep, you guys keep throwing these ads in there. You, you call her fat or she's overweight. She's not a slob. She's a slob. A slob to me, but see, your definition of slob, my definition of slob, are two different things. A slob to me is Beauty somebody mean the eye of the hold, beholder. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, but I mean, not just eye of the beholder. Slob means you don't dress well, you don't, your clothes don't fit right. That to me is a slob. Hmm. Somebody doesn't care about themselves when they walk out the house. Yeah, I, I think I if you're playing w- in the airport at one o'clock in the morning, I was like, oh my God, where did? Where did I'm like in a different zone. I was. You Troy, you're an image fashion consultant. Yeah. You got a different standard. Right. So that's why when he calls
3: her a slob, I, I'm like, no, she's not a slob. Her, she, she's a naked slob. Her clothes ain't the problem. It's her. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm just telling you, I don't, I don't like tall women in general. My wife is 5'4". She's 5'11". That doesn't do it for me. If I'm looking for a swimsuit model, I can assure you that is not it. I award her zero points.
1: Mm. Uh, I've got her at candlelit, a 48. Uh, Troy, who wants to sop her up with a biscuit, has her at 83 in a smoke show. Uh, and TJ has uh, Yumi at a dumpster fire. Forty. Troy, you guys are all wrong. <laughs> you
2: guys are wrong. You're so wrong for that. You are so wrong. We're gonna both get of this y'all.
1: video to Yumi of Troy and this entire show. We're gonna get it to her and see if uh, we can arrange something. All
2: right. No.
1: Things are gonna get a bit more serious. And uh, Troy, you, you've destroyed this show. Uh, and you, I mean, Tennessee Harmony. I, I hope that we can recover. Uh, Pastor Bobby, we got to fumigate Troy's chair before uh, Pastor Bobby or Pastor Anthony sits in it. Uh, stay tuned, Tennessee Comedy. All right, welcome back. Uh, Time for a little uh, Tennessee Harmony with Pastor Anthony Walker and Pastor Bobby Harrington of Renew.org. Gentlemen, uh, welcome back. Uh, You guys got a tough act to follow. Uh, Yeah, we do. A little humorous today, a little irreverent, uh, but now it's time for a little God and (laughs) and some Jesus up in here. Uh, we got a very serious topic to talk about, the Buffalo uh, Massacre. So uh, let's start with a little prayer to bless the conversation, and then we'll get into it.
5: God, we just ask you to be present as we talk about these things, and we just pray that you'd guide us.
4: Father God, as we always do, we reverence you, we love you, we honor you. uh, We pray your comfort over those affected by this tragedy, and we pray that this discussion will be a source of healing and direction back to you. In Jesus' name,
5: amen. amen. Amen.
1: All right. So you guys love to step on my toes and hop into my lane and write columns and uh, you posted on renewed dot org. And so Anthony this week wrote a column about the Buffalo massacre. And I th- went to great lengths to try to explain the difference between Satan's agenda and and racism and how. They can intertwine. Mm-hmm. But what we're really looking at is Satan's plan for division for all of us. But I don't Anthony. I'd like for you to explain uh, your column, what you because that's the foundation of our conversation today.
4: Kind of the meat of the column uh, is a statement that Jesus makes in John chapter 10, where he outlines Satan's ultimate plan. The thief comes to steal kill, and destroy. And so as I looked at this situation, all situations, and zoom out to look at how does he enact his plan in the world. Uh, One of the quotes from my article, uh, Satan will do whatever he can to steal our joy, kill our hope, and destroy our lives and relationships. This is his, his plan. And so racism, how it links to that, racism is just another button that he will push that will ultimately steal, kill, and destroy. Uh, It steals hope, it steals uh, our aspirations, it kills any efforts towards unity, uh, and ultimately his plan is to destroy the world. And so one of the ways also that he uses racism Uh, is to get us to grab hold of anything other than God. So in a tragedy like this, uh, there's going to be a lot of hate going around. It was hate that precipitated this tragedy, uh, hate that infected this uh, young man. And then from this, you're going to have people that may want to respond in hate. And all that Satan is doing, he's sitting back and watching how now you guys are going to destroy each other over things that don't have anything to do with the main issue uh, at hand. So what'll happen is, going forward, you're gonna deal with all the analysis, you're gonna deal with all the, well, you know, we need less guns, or why is this, and how did he get that equipment, and uh, it's this kind of political angle, it's that kind of political, all these things, it's re- and that's why this and that, that takes away from weight. Jesus is completely absent from this scenario. So those of us who are Christians, and I urge us, those of us who are Christians, we need to find ways to bring Christ to this crisis. And that's in every dimension. There was Christ absent in this young man's life. There's, you know, a family structure. What was going on there that he surmises that the only thing that I can do to address what I'm going through is choosing violence? Um, there's going to be uh, grief on the other side. All these families are gonna be dealing with, man, I lost my grandmother, I lost my sister, I lost my, where was God in this? This is when those of us who love Jesus need to show up. Bobby? Mm-hmm.
5: Well, uh, I, of course I agree with everything Anthony said. Um, what I don't think is helpful is the whole political conversation around this, that, uh, you know, that they tried to, to make it all about politics and uh, you know, the, the larger national conversation right now that's pretty dysfunctional around <clears throat> you know, race and all of that. Uh, what we've got is a situation where this is tragic and racism uh, has be- become a part of many people's lives but who are the people around this young man who should have been responding to what we knew was happening <laughs> like at the school they knew at his school that uh, he was thinking these things and he had all these problems and and what about his family and all of that and uh, i just think it's it's part of a larger package I'll, I'll just add this jason i think it's a larger it's a part of the larger package where our society is unmaking itself and it's becoming unwound. And so the violence, sex, uh, the whole transgender conversation, our society's just starting to come apart at the seams and these things are coming out. I, I, the thing I liked about Anthony's column, and
1: again, when he's talking about, hey, everybody in this situation needs to, from the victims to the perpetrators, to the people in the political world and the people reacting to it, need to ask themselves, where's Jesus at in any of this? In your point of view, in your, how are you incorporating Jesus and his healing power into your grief? Or or is the perpetrator's family examining what kind of relationship did we establish in our child with Jesus so that he wouldn't be so vulnerable. And so it leads me to a place of, we want to frame it in racism. I wanna frame it in idolatry and racial idolatry. This young man was plagued with racial idolatry. Racial idolatry is a problem pervasive throughout America. We see it flowing all directions. It's popular to talk about when it flows one direction in corporate media, but there is, and again, for us as Christians, that's why I'm like, hey man, we gotta be careful about how we identify. We should be the leaders of, I identify as a Christian, I identify Mm -hmm. in Christ. Mm -hmm. Christ is at the center of my life and my worldview, not my race. And so what I what I thought Anthony's column was trying to point everybody back to is like don't get bogged up in the racial conversation as believers we should be using this as an opportunity to talk about our savior who can if we inject him more into the fabric of America and in individuals and in communities we'll see less of this violence. Have, have I
3: you're, done, you're hitting done.
4: it. I, you know, I, the only thing that I would say in response to that is, you know, we know based off of this person's manifesto, it was racially motivated. And, and what why I put this back to the enemy, why I put this back to Satan is that Satan knows that in our culture, in our society, there are some loose ends there for some people. There are some people that are that's all they see is race. They're blind to Jesus. They're blind to sin, but they can see race. He knows that. So when he pushes this button, he knows the outcome. He he understands we would respond as a society differently if it was really a mixed crowd. And it was really a, a person who comes from a different country. You know, we would have a national response in that scenario. But when we know that this starts in his mind as some kind of racial piece, the enemy knows this is it, this is what I'm gonna do. And, and the, the response that's going to come from that is, and I, I mentioned this in, in, the, in the article as well, You know, growing up that was something that we were taught in the world that we were trying to live in and, and trying to make better, we were taught this would virtually be impossible. <clears throat> like nobody's just gonna wake up And I'm just going to kill a bunch of black people like nobody's going to do that. And so now you've got some of those kids who are my age and some of those people who are my age who are saying, wow, this happened. Okay. now, if we focus on that and that's where I'm going in the article, when we focus on race and make that our primary identity, our primary solution to problems, we lose what God is trying to do in this. And we feed into what the enemy's trying to do. And that's the young man, that's those who are, the families and this anger that they're going to have, that's where, and that's all he wants to do, Satan. I just want you to grab onto something other than God. So,
1: and I ask this sincerely because I Mm -hmm. don't know, and this is why I love having you guys on. And obviously we conversate during the week and I wish I had prepared y'all for this question but I had a bunch of people in town and I've been a bit distracted, knew we'd talk about Buffalo. But in the Bible, and I don't know this, I'm asking sincerely Mm -hmm. as a naive baby Christian, Mm -hmm. I know that there's a lot of discussion about idolatry and that idolatry being at the root of most, if not all sin. I've heard Tony Evans preach on that. Yeah,
4: yeah.
1: Is the word racism a big part of the Bible, because I'm wondering if our focus on race and racism, and I believe like racism may be a term and a phrase we've created that doesn't come from God. <clears throat> God talks about idolatry, mm-hmm. and we've made race an idol, and so we should be having a conversation about idolatry. They've talked us into having a conversation about racism. And I'm, and again, I'm mm-hmm. asking this in the moment, wasn't something I clearly thought yeah. about, but it's like, that's part of the ploy in taking us away from the Bible is in having a secular conversation, that the secular conversation is about racism. The biblical conversation is about idolatry. What have we here in America made our idols? And, and if, if we have a conversation about idolatry, rather than racism and what corporate media has told us, then we can see like, hey, the guy in Waukesha, the black dude, Mm -hmm. ran over and killed six white people, put 60 more in the hospital. Idolatry was at the root of his wickedness. No, unlike the idolatry here in Buffalo, that's at the root. He's made race an idol. And if he had an identity in Christ, both parties, Daryl Brooks, this Peyton, whatever his name is, if they're not idolatrous and Christ is at the center of their identity, they don't jump to conclusions about, well, I got to hurt this group of people that look like this. And and again, this is the power of Christianity. If we all see ourselves as Christians foremost and virtually Mm. or we're just in a better place. And so let me simplify Mm -hmm. the question again. Mm -hmm. Does the Bible directly talk about racism as and to the level that we do in this society? Because I know it talks about idolatry in
5: great detail. So uh, I'm going to let Anthony jump in here. But uh, when I'm, I just want to address a few things. Uh, First of all, I, I thought you were excellent in what you just described. Today, the the idol is, uh, we're making race or gender an idol because it becomes about power. The ultimate idol is getting the power or wanting the power or not having the power. In the Bible, Jason, it, like in the New Testament, it's so interesting because the earliest Christians were of multiple uh, different races. You had people from Egypt, you had people from Africa, you had people from Ethiopia, you had people from... Uh, The Middle East or from Rome and it's never described the skin color is never a thing in the New Testament Now the culture of Jewish culture versus non-Jewish culture That's a really big deal But the Bible describes how it's got to be broken down so that the barrier between the Jewish people and the Gentile people has been taken away by Jesus. But the presupposition in the New Testament is that skin color is not an issue. Now, in the Old Testament, uh, there's there's a situation that may be caused by skin color, but it's disputed. And, uh, you know, it's when Moses gets his wife when he's 80 years of age and he gets another wife and there's some indication that maybe his sister gets upset because she may be, uh, Moses would be more Arabic in color and uh, he's getting a, 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 a woman who's probably black. But even that is, is a d- disputable point. So in terms of skin color, skin color is not an issue in the Bible. New
4: Testament, as he points out about Jew and Gentile, that kind of um, relationship is similar to how we deal with race in America. Uh, The Jews had this perspective on Gentiles. They were unclean, they were filthy as an individual, they were unholy, and they responded to them in that way. Gentiles saw Jews in the way that they portrayed themselves, which was we were chosen by God. We were God's elect people. And so when you find those interactions happening, and that's what Bobby's referring to uh, in the book of Ephesians, when Paul describes this, you have a church of Jews and Gentiles, but that national difference, that cultural difference that they struggle with permeates even in their relationship in Christ. Paul has to take them back to this is what happened at the cross, okay? When Christ died on the cross, he tore down all of these barriers that you've placed between you. But this kind of fight would happen you know, in Ephesus, it would happen in Corinth, because they saw, oh, well, he's a Gentile, oh, well, he's a Jew. Paul even responds to this by saying, one time I had to talk to Peter to his face, because Peter responded one way when he was with Jews, But when he was in a Gentile crowd, he responded another way. And Paul said, wait, wait a minute. That's not how we do. So the closest thing as it relates to that kind of relationship between peoples did occur between Jew and Gentile. I mean, it's it's not direct, but it's close. But when you talk about idol and and I like the, the basic definition we've kind of established here on this show, anything that we put above God, anything. That is an idol. That's myself. That's uh, my car. That's money. That's food. That's sex. That's race. That's gender. You know, and the power that comes with that's politics. But Satan's deal. And this is why I take it back to the root. His deal is just I don't want you attaching your life to God, because when we attach ourselves to God, we have everything that we need and anything we could possibly want. We can find that in God. And he knows that he can't fight God mano a mano. He can't do that. He's too weak to do that. But he can get us to grab hold of anything outside of God. So if that becomes now I am driven by rage because of what I've been through in life, he says, I got you, (laughs) I got you. I'm now driven by, you know what, I'm going to leave God because God let my grandmother die in this tragedy. If God were real, then he wouldn't have let this happen. Satan sits back to say, I got you. This kid who has an idle mind doesn't have the attentiveness of family that pours into a loving environment. Satan sees that as, hey, this is the prime workshop for me to do my work sends him on this quest. And we, you know, we like that kind of stuff. We just, hey, way leads on to way. So he's going from this site to this site. And it's just getting more and more. And he's getting further and further away from God to where now his conclusion. And as he put in his manifesto, at one point he thought about suicide, but he knew this won't have a mass impact. I know what will have a mass impact. And what I say about him Is that Satan is looking at this is here's a mass impact that will impact the nation, because now there will be fights over policy. There will be fights over Constitution. There will be fights over right wing, left wing, liberal, conservative race. And it's still this and it's still all of that's going to be. And we've missed this opportunity to be Christ.
1: And so. I'm telling Anthony, this is why you know, because I believe the most powerful form of communication. I probably shouldn't say this with cameras rolling, but and microphones, but writing is the most powerful tool. It, 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 trust me, if there was something better than writing, God would have put the Bible out on DVD. (laughs) He chose to have it written down. And so, you know, your column. Makes me think and makes other people think and it spark and and so it's brought me here to this conversation again that I, I Just want to reiterate and clarify because this conversation has been very helpful for me and I, I think I'm I'm saying something somewhat profound that There's so much power we all believe in that Bible that there's nothing more powerful than the gospel and I'm trying to suggest to us that they keep moving our conversation away from that book. Yeah. And that book talks incredibly about idolatry. So we're and so when we sit on TV or anywhere and talk about racism, we've moved away from God wants to talk about idolatry because it infects us all in different ways. And just when I first uh, heard Tony Evans make the argument that all sin is rooted in idolatry. It mm-hmm. made me go, well, hold on, if that's the root, let me go find out. And yeah. I've, I've like looked at and started applying it. And so when I, the changes I've made to my diet and health, it's because I've made food an idol. And it's, it helped me understand, like, this is satanic. This overeating you're doing, Jason, is satanic. It, it's away from God. It's idolatry. And so, and I look at how it's helped me because I've been fighting the battle of the bulls for years and years and years, and I would have two months worth of success or three months worth. First time I've had, this has been going on since August. So that's four, we're now in the, is this the fifth month? Yeah, that's nine months. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's because I really went to the, the power in that word, idolatry and what's in the Bible. And uh, with this conversation, what's going on in Buffalo, We need to be talking about idolatry we need to stick to a biblical principle and not adopt what the culture wants us how they want us to talk about it and i'm talking about joe biden and everybody because somebody should have let it fall up out of their mouth hey man this is idolatrous behavior he thinks he's made his race an idol and so once we frame it in god's terms Now it has the ability to heal and take us to a better place. If we frame it the way we want to frame it, we're just going to continue to to argue and bicker and and go nowhere. Nothing will improve.
4: And Satan knows that. (laughs) And that's why he does it. That's why he keeps pushing whatever button he has to push to get us away from Jesus. In this scenario, uh, as I said, I'm looking at his parents. You know, what was... How is Jesus in that? It makes me reflect as a parent. Am I setting up an environment in my home that my kids will know, one, that mama and daddy love each other, they love God, and that we all are loving God and doing God's will and purpose? Are we setting up this kind of home to where we are setting up idols in our home, where the TV raises our kids or technology raises our kids? We gotta, I mean, that's a gut check to parents in this. In this young man, and I look to other, you know, lonely young teenagers, they're going through this. There's a generation of kids that's just angry about whatever's going on. Wow. We need to be addressing that as parents, as mentors, as as disciples of Christ. They they need us in this generation. And then we look at. You know, communities, tragedy, there is always going to be those from a tragedy that ask, why me? Mm -hmm. And that's a prime time for God's people to step in and say, let me tell you about God. I can't prevent thunderstorms, but I can tell you the one who controls the storm.
5: It's interesting about idols. You know, when God says, have no idols before me. It's ultimately because they don't satisfy. No. You take whatever idol you want, you can make it sexuality. Uh, we're, we're doing a lot of that right now. Take money, we can make money and material success or, or being of the right race or against other races. All of these things that we make idols, none of them will satisfy. And in the end, we will not be happy, we'll be divided, we'll be on edge, and we won't live the kind of lives that God wants us to live. Whereas if our lives are built around God, around Jesus, in situations like this, there's forgiveness uh, that you know, needs to be brought to bear. There needs to be love, compassion. Uh, there's also a sense of, uh, I live for something higher, and so because I live for something higher, like what you're doing uh, in your own life, you can, say, you can say no to lesser gods. Because the, the God that you're serving will ultimately satisfy your deepest desires. Gentlemen, thank you so much. Uh, we're out
1: of time. Fantastic Tennessee Harmony. Uh, that's tomorrow I here. That means we'll see you tomorrow.
0: Freedom, looking for a breakout, feeling like a standoff, nothing in life like freedom. Came in like a fighter, striking like a lighter, making all this news for freedom. I want freedom. No negotiation, my system, no relation. We all just wanna have freedom. Sitting on a the- never been alone, i am breaking my back for freedom. Yes, we are living, get back, we are receiving, all receiving, we all want to be free. We want freedom. I just want, I want to be, I
3: just